You may not have given much thought to this, but over the years, the Chronicle has had a long list of terrific photographers. I think back to the 70s with Harold Hanka going on to some of the great shots taken by Fran Funk and Roxanne Pandolfi. And one of the good ones with us this morning, Al Malpa, who's done a terrific job at the Chronicle over the years. And he joins us today to talk about newspaper photography and also photography in general. Al, glad to finally get you in here this morning. Thanks for coming in today. Start things off by telling us how you became a photographer in the first place. We all take pictures, but you took it a step further. Well, Wayne, it started kind of early, uh, probably when I was in my teens. And uh, at that time, uh, Ansel Adams, Elliot Porter, you know, they were very prominent in the 60s. So I thought I wanted to be a landscape photographer, so started taking pictures of rocks and flowers and with a big camera and uh, lugged that around for a few years and... I kept up with it all through college, through several different careers, and uh, when I came to the Chronicle, um, I just finished um, building houses up in the Hartford area. So I hadn't really done it full-time until I came to uh, Willimantic. You talked about carrying the big camera around. What was the technology then, and what's the technology now? Well, for, for landscape work, uh, it always has been, and it still is to, a, to an extent, um, an area where photographers like to use large format in the sense of 4x5 and 8x10 cameras. So those are the cameras that you may see uh, with the photographer. He's got a, uh, a blanket over his head. He's looking at the back of the camera, and the image is upside down and backwards. And uh, uh, But it's the size of the negative is, uh, is just great for very fine detail. Since uh, digital came out, um, there's been a slow move to digital. Over the last few years, actually, some of the large format um, big-name guys have been switching over to digital because the quality is uh, is gotten to the point where it's equal to medium format, and, and some will consider on uh, some of the large pixel cameras that it's um, equal to some 4x5 work. Now, do you still take any pictures with film, or now in 2010 it's all done digital? Yeah, it, it was uh, it was a change that all photographers had to make because uh, many of the institutions we work for stopped taking film for their publications. There are still a few like uh, Audubon, National Geographic, that will only take um, transparencies, not digital. But for the most part, I'd say you know 95 percent, perhaps even more, of uh, periodicals and um, some book publications, they want digital. It's easier to work with, uh, easier to manipulate. Uh, there's a lot of hours involved when you have to manipulate transparencies. And from the days of film to the days of digital, do you now or can you now take more pictures? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, that oh, yeah, with digital, yeah. you can well, you can yeah, run off a whole bunch more, and and then you can sit there and go, I got 20 different versions of this shot. Number 17 is the yeah. best. Maybe that was harder to do in film, or not? Oh, absolutely, because um, it's an interesting it's an interesting area because when you're working large format work, you may be carrying an eight by ten camera around all day, and maybe you're going to make ten shots, uh, and you may spend hours and hours doing it. It's a very slow process, um, and hence your learning curve is equal to that pace. So when digital came along and um, we were able to take many, many pictures per day very quickly, not only did we end up with a lot more material, which doesn't mean it's better, but it does mean you get a lot more practice. So years ago in the 50s and 60s, where it may take you 
uh, you know, five years to reach a certain point. If you're thinking about what you're doing today with digital, you can get that to that point much quicker than you could before just because of the um, the benefit of being able to examine your work instantly, hopefully learn from it, and make improvements. If you don't make improvements, you'll always be in the same spot. You have to be uh, have a discerning eye and see where your your areas of uh, improvement could be. The word practice got my attention. I'm thinking well, after all these years you need to practice, but you sort of explain it there, that you, you still have ways to improve. How could you improve your photography, which I think is already terrific? It, it's not a matter of technique. Technique today is pretty simple. Um, and as you know, you can buy a, a amateur or a prosumer camera, which is a camera that is bridging amateur and professional um, and just read the manual, and you can pretty much do 95% of what you need to do. Uh, what really makes a difference is, um, you know, thinking about what you're doing, having seen many uh, of the photographers that came before you from which you can learn, but just to go out and start shooting and not see the history and to not see what's being done now or what was done in the 50s or the 20s, that's what makes the biggest difference in uh, in making good images. Alice, one of the charms of your job that every day is different. Today, you might be taking a picture of a three-car accident on Route 6, and tomorrow you'd be driving down Pleasant Valley Road, and you whip the camera out and get a real nice landscape shot, yeah. you know, l looking over toward the sunset or the like. Right, right. It is, uh, it is very different from day to day. That's the nice thing about it, Wayne, is that you really don't know what's going to happen every day, and a lot of the work is is uh, upon myself and the other photographers to come up with material for the newspaper. We may get um, you know fifteen, twenty percent of our work is on assignment, and the rest is uh, come up with material for tomorrow morning's deadline. So it's very freewheeling, and the best part of it is that you, in our area here, uh, Wyndham County, you get to go to many different towns, you meet many different people of all different strata. Um, you know, walking the streets of Willimantic is, is just great because you, there are so many people here that are doing all sorts of different things, different, um, you know, cultural backgrounds. Uh, that's where the real pleasure is in our job is that we get to meet people all the time uh, through the, uh, the technique of photography. And are you always on standby when there's bad weather, whether it be a big snowstorm, or whether it be a, a thunderstorm and the like, because there's always going to be some kind of a dramatic shot there? Yeah, well, we, we run a couple shifts. Uh, Roxanne Pandolfi, uh, who's my boss, uh, she comes in at uh, around 7 in the morning and works till uh, around 2.30, and then I come in from 2.30 on. Sometimes it, uh, it goes past midnight uh, easily. Uh, but we have to have the have the material ready for the editors the next morning at 6.30 or something. How fast can you turn something around? If something dramatic happens at 11 o'clock in the morning, can you snap a picture and get it in today's paper? Yeah, that, that really isn't much of a problem. Um, just keep things very simple. Choose your images. Go back to the office. Just choose a, just a couple that might be used and, uh, and run them through your software. It's not like the days when we would spend hours and hours in a dock room dodging and burning with all kinds of chemicals and uh, you know doing test prints and you know it just went on forever you could spend you know four or five hours making one print uh, but today because of the um, you know the modern techniques we have it's very quick Al has a couple of photos in our 2010 WILI weather calendar some nice shots here here's one of them from last month Al 
It says, June 30, 2009, was a great beach day at Lisicki Beach on Coventry Lake. As you look out, you can see the lifeguard stand. You can see boaters. You can see people in the water and all that. Do you have any recollections of that day and what that particular oh, yeah. picture? I mean, what, what, what made that picture special? That particular it's just the balance, you know. There's uh, there's no holes in there, and you got people uh, sunning, swimming, boating, all kinds of activities. You, know, you don't really want to have a blank space in there where it gets out of uh, out of balance with what's going on in the in the photograph. It's, you know, what's interesting is that every photograph you take, no matter how long ago, you can remember when, where, the weather, you know, uh, pretty much where the camera settings were. Looks like a lazy, hazy, crazy day of yeah, summer. It was hot. And here's another one we used that I thought was kind of interesting. And this one's on the <laughs> April-facing page. And the, the caption says, Bob Creelan, presenter at a family astronomy night sponsored by the Chaplin Elementary School PTO, points to Ursa Major, the Big Dipper. Now, how did you know about this in the first place, to be there to shoot this? Because you actually have a silhouette of the guy giving the talk, and then he's projecting the image of the Big Dipper on the screen with the outline of the Great Bear around it there and i just thought it was a, a terrific image of you know teaching the kids about astronomy yeah that, that was kind of a challenge because anytime you have to shoot a slideshow you know it's uh, <laughs> often doesn't work out so well but uh and you can't use a flash for this that I would wash it that all would, out that would wash it out and because it's dark in the room that's why he's a silhouette it wasn't that you know i had some great idea about making him a silhouette against the sky but it was just the way things happened there but um yeah, that came out. Uh, that came out okay. Yeah. <laughs> How many shots did you take of that to get the right shot? Because I'm guessing there might have been some exposure issues. Um, well, I think probably only had to take a couple. You know, the cameras are. Uh, if you you know set the set the right uh, controls on it, they pretty much do what you ask them to do. And you make you take a shot. You can make it a little adjustment. And and this camera that I use is so light sensitive. It's no problem to uh, the shoot in the dock. Last night I was at. Uh, Around 11 p.m. at uh, Andover on Route 6, there was an accident, and there was uh, there was hardly any lighting, and um, standing there, you couldn't see the detail of what was going on. But taking the photograph and then bring it back and put it in the computer, you can actually see it because the sensors and the cameras are more sensitive than our eyes are. So, uh, and that's that's a camera that's a couple of years old now. It's an antique, and the newer ones do four and five times as much as this one does. You know, Al, I started the program by talking about the legacy of terrific photographers the Chronicle has had over the years that maybe the average guy on the street doesn't think about. But, you know, I, I go back to the days of, of Harold Hanka and the wonderful work that he's yeah. done. But you've got a great stable of photographers now. Maybe Fran Funk isn't shooting a lot of pictures that, yeah. for the Chronicle like she was a couple of years ago, but she does great work. Roxanne, got Marie Brennan. I mean, you've had so many good people over the years. So do each of you learn from the other no, it's, it's pretty much what we bring to the table in our background. Um, although Roxanne and I uh, actually talk about it quite a bit, but for the most part, um, even thinking about shooting professional sports and college sports, uh, photographers kind of keep to themselves. They're not likely to be sharing a lot of info with you, with one exception was Bob Childs at AP, who uh, when I started working sports, he uh, he made a point of giving me pointers. I think he knew I was a little green. And um, he would, you know, suggest use a certain exposure. Or, uh, he suggested I get a better camera because I was using an amateur camera. <laughs> but uh, he's a great guy. He's been doing it for probably 40, 
40 plus years. Yeah, I see them a lot of time, especially UConn games and sometimes news events too. And people may not realize how many times they've seen photos in papers around the state and sometimes around the country taken by that man, Bob Childs. Yeah, he's been doing it for a long time. He's got quite a history. If you Google them, you'd find a lot of images. The interesting thing about Bob and I was that after, when we first met, uh, we discovered that we were both trombone players. You know, Bob today, is uh, an active big band trombone player, even though he's he's retired from uh, full time with AP. Uh, he still does it part time, but he loves playing the horn. Well, let's get into your music and your jazz appreciation. How far back does that go? Well, back to uh, probably I think we started in seventh grade, where we had members of the Rhode Island Philharmonic come into the school systems, like they they pretty much do today, I think, and uh, you know they'd play a few instruments. So I decided I wanted to play trumpet. I went home and told my mother, and she said, uh, no, you can't play trumpet. Uh, we've got your grandfather's trombone in the basement. So if you're going to play anything, you have to play that. So that's that's how I started with that instrument. And then I went to a hot college of music and played professionally till I was probably in my late 20s uh, with uh, all kinds of bands, legit and not legit mean classical and uh Jazz groups and you know top forty groups. Being a trombone player, you have to play everything there is because there's not that much work. And a, a nice thing about that experience is that it has uh, led to in photography uh, doing all kinds of work, not so much specialized, uh, but just being kind of an all-around photographer. We we can do bugs, we can do uh, sports, animals, uh, landscapes, uh, rocks, all kinds of stuff. Bugs. You did take a little picture of bugs. Well, I kind of like bugs, uh, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I do. Well, and there's a great page on your website, almalpa.com. Yeah. Thoughts on photography, and it starts off by saying, "I am a photographer and musician. My visual work is greatly influenced by my past experience in the field of classical and jazz playing. Before entering the Hart College of Music for my performance degree, I had begun teaching myself the zone system of black and white photography created by." Ansel Adams. Through this study, I found the performance of music and the visualization and making of a photo- photographic print to be very closely related, each medium always contributing to the other. These dual disciplines helped me develop a pre-visualization of eye and ear, the result being an ever-growing ability to foresee the definitive moment in photography and, quote, finding the groove in music. It is to this place I seek to bring the viewer." Interesting tie-in there about music and photography as well. And and say a little bit more uh, about that uh, concept that we uh, talked about during the uh, course of that uh, little piece off your website here about the zone system. What is the zone system of black and white photography? The zone system was invented by Ansel Adams. Um, Until that time, there really hadn't been a specific scientific technique. He developed this technique of um, controlling exposure and controlling development to bring a full-scale print out of a negative. Full-scale print would be, you know, from blackest black to whitest white. Uh, most of the imagery is between uh, what we'd say a zone 2 and a zone 8, where you have minimum amount of texture on both ends and the spread of grays in between. Once uh, When Ansel had done that, everybody fell right into uh you know that same um that same pursuit because his prints if you've ever seen any his prints are uh, just impeccably 
uh, alive, uh, great technique, and he had the vision, of course. Um, so a lot of the landscape photographers started in black and white and, uh, and followed him. Um, interesting about him is that he was a, a pianist, and music and photographers, for some reason, they are um, pretty much paired together in the sense that, you know, Weston loved Bach or Ernst Bloch, uh, who was a composer. He was a very good uh, photographer. Um, it goes on and on. Paul Campanegro, who today is probably the most um, respected black and white uh, landscape photographer, also a fabulous printer. Took a workshop with him for a week back in the 70s, and he had a piano brought in so every day he could play piano while, uh, while we were studying our, uh, our photo assignments. So it's, it's kind of a pairing that goes back for a long time. You, Al, are relatively new to Wyndham County and Willimantic in particular. How do you like working in this area? Uh, that's a great question, Wayne, because uh, I lived in west of the valley, Farmington, Avon, Simsbury, all, all the towns over there. In fact, 18 different locations west of the valley. I had my real estate business there uh, for 25 years, and that's really all I knew until I came to uh, Willimantic. Uh, when Fran hired me uh, about three years ago. And uh, it's really, uh, I think it's the place to be. It's a, you know, it's very, ref very reflective you know, of our entire culture. It's not uh, as west of the river was, was just one segment of our culture. But uh, Willimantic and the surrounding towns, uh, there's a lot of great people. There's a lot of nice trees, you know, if you're into landscape stuff. Um, there's good access to water. Uh, it's really great in the school systems. When I've, I've done work at Natchog, when you go in, <clears throat> and there's kids really from all over the world, and uh, you know they're mixing, getting along together. The uh, I remember Natchog, um, uh, they had an event. I think it's an annual event where they have a uh, a dinner where the families of the kids. Parents bring in their own ethnic dishes and you can buy some tickets and go around to 50 different uh, um, bowls and, and sample all kinds of food. It's, it's just terrific. So, you know, I'm very hopeful about Willimantic. It's got a lot going for it. It reminds me of Providence um, some, you know, 25 years ago uh, where, because I'm from Providence, uh, the Federal Hill section, uh, where the city had really declined and started to come back and today it's a it's a destination point centered around the river. And as, as you well know, we have a river here, so there's lots of potential for what can happen in Willimantic. And uh, it's, it's good to see little shops opening up on Main Street step by step. That's the way it was in Providence. It and they've used the river very well, too. In fact, I've attended that. Is it River Fire or something like that? Yeah, River like Fire. That? They have it's really a great event. Well, you know, they, they do that about 20 times a year. They have about 75 braziers in the river, and they fill them up with hardwood. They light them. The city turns down the lights downtown, and the the whole city smells of uh, hardwood smoke. They have gondolas, you know, in the river. Uh, Fifteen to uh, twenty thousand people downtown for these events. Uh, all kinds of music and food, and uh, they're, they're broadcasting opera and uh, you know jazz uh, performances are happening there. It's it's really a terrific thing. If anybody's not been to uh, the province for those events. It's a great thing, and it's a good thing to go to to see what you know, Willimantic could uh, very well be, just like Chicago or uh, San Antonio built around rivers. Uh, there's a lot of potential there, a lot of potential here. Some people say that 
I never go anywhere without a recorder because they mm-hmm. know that sometimes on location I'll bring back interviews and so forth. Is it the same thing with you? Is, are you like you don't have a camera this morning in here, by the way? Yeah. But yeah. for most of your waking hours, maybe sleeping hours too. Yeah. Is there a camera nearby so if you happen to see something exactly. photographic, yeah. uh, photogenic, you were able to snap it right there? Yeah. You can't. You can't not have a camera with you all the time because everything is unplanned, particularly if you're in, in the news business. Um, I was at a, um, I can't remember who it was, but I was at a workshop. Where somebody in the workshop asked, you know, the big photographer, you know, how do I become a professional photographer? Uh, which is, uh, this, this is a question that happens very frequently from, from people who are amateurs, you know, they're studying it, they want to become professional. And the, the, uh, the speaker that day said, well, the first thing you have to do is take your camera with you when you leave the house. And that's so true because you really can't do it unless you have it with you. And, you know, sure as shooting, the time that you don't bring it, I mean, I've just I've had it in a car and left it at the car, in the car to run into, you know, do an errand or something for 10 minutes, and then I really needed it and didn't have it. So Is that a pun, by the way, sure as shooting? Is it? Oh, yeah, that's yeah, good. That's good. You. I hadn't I thought just, of that. Yeah. Yeah, I thought you meant to say that. <laughs> How about the best shot you didn't get? Was there an occasion where one time you wish you had a camera and you didn't? Yeah, I can't. There's so many of those. Uh, <laughs> a lot of them. A lot of them center around um, sports, particularly uh, basketball, because I've been doing the um, the WNBA at Mohegan Sun, and as you know, the photographers have to sit on the floor and, and get their shots. And um, I did it a few days ago, and when I got back to the the office, I'm going through the the exposures, and there's about ten. 12 exposures in a row and I'm following the the um, the player she's coming down she's bouncing a ball she's going to jump up and put it in the basket and right then the referee stands right in front of me and that's what <laughs> you know th- those are the shots that you can't really do anything about you'd like to say something to the referee but they probably throw you out so you know that's one way to 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 lose a shot which all of, all photographers suffer the same dilemma um, but yeah it's it's uh it's a lot easier to miss a shot than it is to get one. Are there times that you think you got a shot, and then you take a look either with that little replay function yeah, most cameras yeah. have now, or you get back to the office and you go, oh, man, where'd that shot go? I thought well, I had it. Well, that's very interesting because it works just the opposite way in the sense that you go back to the office, you start looking through your exposures, and you say, holy mackerel, that's a great shot. I didn't even know I got it. Because, you know, somebody walked in, a bird flew through, some quirky thing <laughs> happened. And, uh, you know, a lot of it's luck. You know, it's, it, it, you have to have some skill and you have to have vision, but you've got to be at the right place at the right time. And so you try to put yourself in situations like that where the likelihood of something happening is greater because, you know, if, it's a, if you're a nature guy, then you want to be out before sunrise or after the sunsets. A lot of times with nature photographers, the sun goes down and they pack up and leave. But it's the next half hour, 45 minutes after the sun has drip, dropped, dripped, dropped below the horizon that you can get your best images. And do you sometimes do what all the amateurs do, that you hit that delete button inadvertently and you've got the great shot, and then, oops, you deleted it. Well, let me, let me <laughs> worse than that, <laughs> I've, I've done a job, jobs, I can't, I'd like to say it's only happened to me once, but instead of deleting the photo, I deleted the whole disk. The, you know the cod file on it so uh so i go back and i plug it in and uh push a wrong button here and there 
and the uh, the whole night's work is gone. You know, that's a that's a bad situation. <laughs> well, I think you know that stuff happens to lots of people, and, I, and you know, in a sense, I'm glad to see you're human. You know, that oh, those yeah. things well, happen even happens. to Al Malpa as well. <laughs> now, uh, you also are a wedding photographer. I know you never lose those shots, but we'll move along from that. And tell yeah. me how that business has changed over the years. Uh, wedding photography for a long time was uh, very standardized and formal. So you've probably seen photographs of everybody standing together, bride in the middle, you know, the family left to right, you know, like wings on a bird, and, uh, you know, it's, it's very staid. Well, maybe over the last 20 years, it's gone into more of a photojournalistic style with candid photographs. Um, so, and it it's really works out nicer for the family because you're able to capture those moments when they're being natural with each other. You know, the father may come over and get a hug from the bride or, you know, the kids are doing something or the uncle or aunt. So you look for those kind of uh, kind of intimate moments rather than setting everything up and say, okay, say cheese, I'll take your picture. So today, uh, the majority of, photogra- of wedding photography work is that kind of um, candid, candid material. Are there particular shots in weddings you look for? Because in a sense, to me, shooting a wedding is like anything else that you do with your job. You have to be looking for the right thing, and you have to be ready for the unexpected. Well, you're looking for the interaction among the people. Um, when I do a wedding, I say, make believe I'm not here. Um, of course, they don't, because they're asking you to take pictures of the dog or the cat or something. Uh, but the, but the, you know, to be unobtrusive and be able to fit in and find there's a many, many, you know, <sighs> It's surprising, you know, when you stop to think about it, stop to really look, uh, just like being out in the street, you can go, at a wedding, you can get tons and tons of great images just by being perceptive about it. Um, just like being in the street, you can walk down the street and see nothing. It brings to mind, I took, I took a class with a guy named Gary Brash, uh, who's a National Geographic photographer, and he's done practically every periodical there is in, in publication. And we went out, it was like five of us, we went out to uh, a woodland trail, and we were supposed to take some shots, come back with something. So we come back, and you know, I had my two or three shots, and everybody else had their you know, two, three, four shots. And Gary was shooting with us, and he had like two dozen. Now, he was in the same place at the same time and found all his subject matter. And it's a matter of training um, your eye and your mind to be open to... To what's going on in and about you. you know, I always you know, said a lot that some of your best subject matter you've stepped on. You know, you're walking through the woods and you're not looking. You know, it's like jogging. You don't see what's really happen, happening around you. Photography is kind of a slow pro- It is a slow process. You have to take time to look. And uh, that's why I don't get nervous about we have deadlines every day. So I come in at 4 o'clock or 3.30 and uh, I have to have images for the next morning. It, uh, it doesn't bother me at all. I just have to walk through town here, and there's, there's, there's plenty of things, plenty of people to shoot. Who makes the call of which of your pictures make the chronicle? For mm-hmm. example, you cover an event, whether it's an Eastern baseball game yeah. or whether it's an accident and the like, and you come back with 20 shots. Yeah. Only one's going to get used. Who makes the call? Well, there's two fellows. There's Mike Lemansky, who's the city desk editor. He does news, and there's Mike Cipher, who is the uh, sports editor. And uh, Charlie Ryan gets involved, too. He's the editor of the paper. Um, yeah, we bring in, in a game, I may give him 20, 40, uh, 30 to 40 shots. He's going to use two or three. Um, 
we really don't have any input on that because they're matching the photos to a storyline. So we may think, oh, this is a great image, but uh, in putting the paper together, they need a combination of story and photos that work together. So we have to supply um, you know, a, a book of material every day, so to speak, that they have choices from. And if we're doing our job the way we should be, they have lots of choices. Right, and I understand the idea that sometimes a Mike Cipher might say, I'm doing a story on this person, so while you're there, get shots right, right. of a Sean Gilblair pitching or running the bases or hitting, things like that, right. so you can focus in on that, and then he can use those photos to help tell the story. Well, you know, I've asked him many times, did you have any tips or advice for me? I'm going out to shoot such and such. And he'll say, no, just get the best images. Uh, occasionally he'll say, well, uh, I'd like to have a picture of Sue Bird, you know, with the... Uh, uh, WNBA. I can't remember what Seattle. She's Seattle, Seattle now. Yeah. Uh, so the, occasionally something may happen like that. For the most part, they do leave it up to us. They're, they're interested in, in you know, bringing home the bacon. That's what it boils down to. You know, I, I use the phrase chronicle photographer, but I think it's very fair to say that that might be too simplistic a word. I like the idea of photojournalist because in many ways, most times you're shooting shots that go in the newspaper. You are a journalist. You are helping tell the story. Well, that's you know that's true and not true because uh, you can go out and take shots. It may not be journalism. They could just be snapshots. Um, journalism is is where you're bringing uh, to light an aspect of the of the story that you may not ordinarily see. You know, it's, it's like an uncovering of the of what's going on. Um, so photographers run the gamut from being just shooters, snap shooters to being journalists, and it's, it's good not to mix the two. Uh, we all want to be journalists. I can't say that we are. Maybe some days we are because uh, we're making the right decisions, but uh, you know, if you don't think about it, you become a snapshooter. You know? Does it alter the way you shoot a picture if it's going to be in color or black and white? Because some of the stuff in the Chronicle is black and white. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, it sure does because in black and white, um, a photograph will not look the same as if it's in color. Color photograph is a motion, and you've got maybe red and yellow and orange or whatnot, and you say, wow, this has got a lot of snap to it. It's got a big bang. And when you print it in black and white, uh, you may have three or four vibrant colors, but they're all the same tonality. So you may have a middle red, a middle gray, uh, blue, a middle green, but they're all going to print middle. So you're not, they're all going to come out the same form of gray. So it's a it's uh it, it's kind of difficult because we don't know how it's going to be used. So I try to give them as as many full tonality prints as I can in color so that the, when they do get switched to black and white they make sense. What al do you like shooting the best? Or are they all the same? Is it all tied for first? That's a that's a good question, Wayne. Uh, what do you like shooting the best? Let me see. This is how it works. When you're shooting rocks, you like rocks the best. When you're shooting people, you like them the best. When you're shooting performances, and it goes on like that. So it's whatever that you can get involved in is what you're going to like in like at that moment. If you don't make the connection, then you know you don't have that like the best situation. 
Are there times when it's difficult to get the right shot, where you know what you want to take, but you just can't get that shot in the frame and the way that you want it to look? Well, the only the only time that happens is when somebody stands in the way. But the most part, you know, what what you train yourself to do is to go into any situation and and come out with a good image. And the more you do it, it's just like practicing. I remember when I used to practice, you know, day in, day out, all the time. Um, you know, that's how you get to a certain level of being able to uh, be a good player. And the same thing with photography. You have to do it, I think, uh, all the time to, to attain a, a better level to do it. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a part-time um, endeavor like any of the arts. You can't be a part-time ballet dancer. You can't be a part-time <laughs> conductor. You know, otherwise you, your performances reflect that. I read in the Chronicle that you won the New England Press Association's first place award for Spot News and the Connecticut Press Association's first place award for news photography. Tell us about that photo. Uh, that particular one was, um, uh, unfortunately, it was an accident. It was a on Route 6 in um, Andover. And I, because I have a scanner, I happen to get there before uh, the fire police set up their roadblocks. So that's what we look to do because often they won't let you in. Um, so I came upon the accident, uh, you know, crawled up behind a guardrail, tried to stay hidden out of everybody's way. And the shot was, um, it was an interesting shot because compositionally it was like a, a, a pyramid because you have in the center uh, at the bottom you have a man sitting in a car, actually a van, where the top of it's cut off, and he has a collar on, uh, and the firemen rescue people are trying to get him out, and they are assembled around him um, like a border, in the sense that, you know, you've got three on one side, three on the other side, and a guy at the top, and they're all at the same time, you know, trying to pick the victim up uh, out of the car. You know, it, I think it won because it was, you know, compositionally successful, and it was a um, the expressions, um, you know, on the um, on the fellow's face who was hurt. Uh, the uh, the emergency people were, you know, they were really involved. You know, come to think of it, that's not the photo. <laughs> but it was a great story. <laughs> it's a good story, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, and what you, when you were telling that story, Al, you can go on to the other photo that won. But nonetheless, I was no, again was... thinking of that phrase, photojournalist, yeah. because that photo. It was one of those cases where a picture's worth a thousand words. Yeah, yeah, that photo actually won for, um, that was the uh, <laughs> National Press Photographers Association. I got a first place for that. The one up in, um, it was in the same town, it was in Andover. It was, again, another accident, and that was, uh, real briefly, um, I was in, right in on the scene, and the uh, victim um, was on a stretcher, um, being wheeled out towards a um, a pickup by Lifestar, and the there was about maybe six or seven people around him, and I was fortunate because they were around him. It was like a horseshoe. My side was open, and they were on the sides in the back, and the Lifestar helicopter was landing behind me. So <clears throat> these rescue workers are, are pointing at the uh, helicopter while they're giving a the guy chest compressions. And they have this this uh, expression of uh, uh, expectation that um, you know this is the moment they're going to be able to transfer this guy to perhaps a better situation. It was a very intense moment. Uh, that was that was the one. I'm I'm pretty sure of that. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. You know, 
it's obvious that your co-workers have a lot of respect for the job you do. I've heard from a bunch of them this morning. We had a call earlier from Fran Funk. We had a call from your publisher, Lucy Crosby, who said we're so proud of Al. We heard from uh, Eleanor Linkla, whose husband Pete works in the press room at the Chronicle. And then the aforementioned Mike Cipher sent me an email and says, Bueno, great show. Al is one cool dude and a perfect representative of the Chronicle. I can't tell you how many times I've met someone who has told me that, quote, I met your photographer the other day. What a great guy. He's a very patient man and obviously enjoys his work and it shows. Thanks for having him on. So... The Al Malpa fan club grows. Oh, thanks. So we just want, and I'm in it too. By the way, I love your work. We appreciate the pictures of yours that we use in the weather calendar as well. On your website, almalpa.com, you have a paragraph here that says, "To view the very best in the photographic arts, I would like to recommend that you seek out the work of these photographers: Edward Weston, Paul Campanigro, Jack DeKinga. I'm That's right. On That's these? right. Yes. All right. Robert Capa. Kappa. War photographer. Yeah. Willard Clay, Eugene Smith, John Sexton, Walker Evans, Elliot Porter, Imogene Cunningham, Ansel Adams, just a few of so many very photographic artists who have come before us, giving us new vision, appreciation, and understanding. Yeah. Any thoughts about those particular ones? Maybe individual images they have created that inspire you to do what well, you do. That's, there's a library of images there. You know, Weston... Gosh, uh, you know he did. He did a portrait of a bell pepper, which he shot in a funnel. That when you look at that pepper, it's not a pepper anymore. It is. Um, it's the universe. It's sensuality. It's uh, the uh, the galaxies. It's it's just everything that is primal is in that image. And uh, a lot of the photographers, you know, they, they have, have the same success. Uh, as for, as a group, for photographers who are trying, who are trying to improve their, their work, uh, I'd say you know, get rid of the magazines because they're very cursory information. And, and look at the, those photographers I have mentioned there. And on my site, I've, I've listed a number of quotes by those photographers who are talking about the essence of the art. Uh, but that's the best education you can is you can get is by um, looking at the work of those and other similar people. Ansel Adams, in wisdom gathered over time, I have found that every experience is a form of exploration. Is uh, Win Bullock? I didn't want to tell the tree or weed what it was. I wanted it to tell me something and through me express its meaning in nature. Yeah, and so it yeah. goes. You've got, I don't know, 20 or 30 different quotes from all these great photographers on here. Robert Capa, like people and let them know it. So it goes. So a man who really appreciates the, 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 the beauty of nature and also what a camera can do. What tips would you have for the, for the backyard photographer, for the person? You know, look, look at me. I got my little uh, Sony Cybershot oh, camera this, here. You know what I mean? It's nice. This thing it's takes, red, too. It's very I, pretty. I got, yeah, you like yeah, the red yeah, side? I like the red, yeah. Well, I, I've got about 100 pictures on this camera of yeah. my, my nieces and nephews here. Yeah. And those are special to me as well. But, but well, conversely, have you ever had one of those shots where you take a shot and it's got a nice expression of the person, and then there's a tree growing out of their head? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it, luckily I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I used to do that. But, uh, and, you know, being in, working in the news business, you cannot take things out of the photograph. So if you've got something in there you don't like, perhaps you can crop the image, make it a little smaller or something, but you can't go in and take that tree out of the guy's head. As a um, recommendation... 
uh, for all photographers is to really work at keeping it simple. You look at your image framed in the uh, in the camera, and you have to decide what it is you don't need in there. And when you take out the all the don't need stuff, then you're focusing more on the purpose of the image rather than having uh, a lot of other things uh, in the image that really don't add to the point you're trying to make. And you'll see that some of the greatest photographs are, are very simple. Uh, if they have a few tonalities, uh, there's no question about what the subject matter. I always think to myself, I'm looking at, at uh, newspaper photographs, does the image um, tell you what it's depicting in an instant? And if you have to think about it, so well, if you have to ask yourself, well, what is this? What's going on here? Then it's not a successful photograph. You should be able to view the image and immediately, just like that, say, wow, you know, I get it, I get it. And that's the that's what you should be striving for. I think I know the answer to this, but I just want to get your take on it, because I thought about it when you talked about photos being edited or cropped and so forth. And is there basically a, a line that you don't cross, in journalism in particular, at the Chronicle uh, specifically here, regarding things like Photoshop? In other words, you have a good picture, but you want to change something. You could Photoshop that. Is yeah, that against that, the rules in that, journalism? That's, that's a big against the rules, yeah, yeah. And once in a while, I would see an ad, uh, not an ad, an article, <clears throat> perhaps in the New York Times, or um, I saw in a Wall Street Journal where somebody's taking an image, and um, uh, I, I'm recalling one that was in uh, Iraq. It was a war photo, and the photographer had changed a couple of people in the background. Uh, well, he lost his job about that. You really cannot manipulate. You can manipulate in the sense of contrast, you know, different tonalities. And even cropping the picture. Yeah, yes, cropping. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's part you have to. But your cropping really should be done in the camera. Because if you have an image that's, you know, 12 megapixels and you want you crop it down to its three, well, you might as well have a three megapixel camera. You need to crop it just like you would in a, using a, a 4, 5, or an 810. Uh, you frame it while you're looking at it and eliminate or add what you need or don't want to it. Al, the show is a year in coming, but you know what? Well yeah. worth it. This was yeah. a lot of Thanks, fun. Wayne. Thanks, Thanks for coming in today. You're Photo welcome. journalist Al Malpa. He's got a lot of his work visible on his website, almalpa.com, including all these quotes by great photographers, one by Margaret Bork White. Saturate yourself with your subject, and the camera will all but take you by the hand. And the other one I like by Ansel Adams, a good photograph is knowing where to stand. Yes. <laughs> Al Malpa, our guest from the Chronicle on 14 WILI Willimantic.